Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, we begin a new series today. We're looking at the letter 1 Thessalonians. I invite you to turn your Bibles to that letter, uh, tucked back behind Colossians. And uh, as we study, begin a study on this letter and look at what it means to be embedded. What purposes that God has for us in the world. Scripture comes to us from 1 Thessalonians verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, we always thank God for you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model To all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Almighty God, we thank You for Your Word, and we do pray that You would help us to receive Your Word, to receive Your message with power and with conviction by Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the, the TV show Gold Rush has a, a location right outside of Fair Play right now. It's this show, uh, maybe you've heard of it, where they, these guys usually up in Alaska are trying to find gold, sift some gold out of this dirt before it all freezes over like it is outside right now. And uh, we watch the show a little bit. In fact, one character in the show is a, a teenager named Parker Schnabel. And for whatever reason, Parker Schnabel has become kind of a household name in our in our house, in our family. His name is usually invoked when someone needs a little motivation, like, hey, Parker Schnabel, get in the car. Or, so I'm not sure why any of that happened. But, but it is fun. If you watch the show just for about 10 minutes, it'll change the way you look at a pile of dirt forever. These guys are pulling these tiny flakes of gold out of these great mounds of what they call material, material. 
And they, they're pulling these tiny flakes of gold. And these tiny flakes of gold are adding up to hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gold. Those little tiny flakes change the way you look at a pile of dirt. They change the value. They change the value. We're turning to 1 Thessalonians for the next few weeks, possibly Paul's earliest letter written around 50 A.D., maybe 51. Paul planted the church along with his friends Timothy and Silas and also the, the gospel author Luke. And then about a year later, he had occasion to write them this letter. And we're studying this because this church had serious questions about its purpose. Do you ever have serious questions about your purpose? This church had serious questions about the meaning of its existence. Do you ever? God, what we learn right away is that God has a purpose for this church. He has a purpose for this group of believers. He, he, he has meaning for them. They are embedded in that city, embedded in that part of the world to be a witness to the power and love of Jesus Christ. They are examples of faith and hope and love that characterize the Christian life. They are embedded. So this is a series for anyone who has questions about the purpose of their life. This is a series for anyone who, who lies awake at night or who wakes up and stares up at the ceiling and thinks, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I in the, the job that I'm in? Why am, in, am I in the, the family that I'm in? Why am I in the friendships, the relationships, the school that I'm in? Why am I here? Is there a meaning? Is there a purpose to me being here? This series is for you. You know, we all have relationships in our lives. We have, we have those relationships that we really love, we really treasure. And then we have other relationships. No laughter there? <laughs> that fall into a different category. Now, what if every relationship you have, God has put you in that relationship for a purpose? What if every relationship in your life, God has intentions for you to be in that relationship? What if you are nowhere by accident, but God has placed you, God has embedded you? Wouldn't that change the way you wake up in the morning? You'd get up in the morning, you'd think about going to work and you'd, you'd have these relationships, these interactions and you'd see the people in front of you and you'd think, I wonder what God wants out of this interaction. I wonder what God intends out of this conversation. I wonder if God is using this relationship to somehow glorify himself. You'd go through life with a totally different attitude. It would change the value. See, if you're a Christ follower, you reflect the love and the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ wherever you go, unless you hide it. 
You're like a, a flake of gold. You're, you're like a vein of, of pure gold embedded in a, a slab of granite, running, running through it and shining with the light of Jesus. Except this gold somehow, and this is where the analogy breaks down, somehow this gold interacts with the material around it. Somehow this gold rubs off on what's beside it. It's like salt rubbed into meat that preserves it and seasons it. It's like light that shines in dark places. It's like yeast in the dough, changing the whole by being a part. Changing the whole just by being a part. You see, you've been embedded. Let me put it to you this way. Your presence is God's purpose. Your presence is God's purpose. Wherever you are, you've been placed there. You can't turn lead into gold, but God can. You can't make your friend a Christian. You can't make the person next to you a believer. You can't turn all the lights on for them inside their mind to to make them know Jesus, but God can do that, and your presence is God's purpose to make that possible. You have been embedded to shine like lights, to glimmer like gold, and to be a part of God's mission to bring life to the lifeless, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring value to the valueless. As long as the mission endures between the ascension of Jesus and his return when he reconciles all things to himself, you are embedded. Your presence is God's Purpose. Would you turn and say that to your neighbor then? Your presence is God's purpose. Thank you. We'll preach it together. Thessalonica was a great place to plant a church. It was not only a harbor city, but it lay along the Ignatian Way, which was this great Roman superhighway that literally connected the world from east to west in, in that time. It was a great place to plant a church. And this was as, as far into Europe as Paul ever got, apart from when he was arrested and carried to Rome. So Paul was very excited to plant a church here. This was a great place to plant a church. And he walked into Thessalonica on the back of, of good victory in Philippi. And so he took the same strategy. He went straight to the synagogues and he explained to the diasporic Jews what had happened with Jesus. And then he let that conversation flow out into the streets and into the Gentiles. And this is all in Acts chapter 17, if you want to read it on your own. They didn't stay long because the officials of the city reacted negatively to the gospel and they had them dramatically tossed out of there. But the church continued. The little church continued. But they had three things come along that discouraged them and and that's what caused Paul to want to write these words inspired by the Holy Spirit to keep them in the game. So by the way, do you ever feel like you're close to giving up? Do you ever feel like you're close to, to throwing in the towel? When you're at the end of your rope, that's where God grabs you with his own hand. 
Hang in there, hang in there. So Paul wants to encourage the church. They had three things that happened that, encur- that discouraged them, though. First, they were surprised at the animosity and persecution they got for naming themselves Christians. You know, what's this, they thought. People go all kinds of different directions spiritually. They do all kinds of things. They join all kinds of societies and clubs. Why are we getting such hatred for naming Jesus? Good question. But second, they got discouraged because some of them died. See, the church was so young, they were so close to the resurrection of Jesus. This is only 20 years from the, from the time that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. All they knew as a church, all they knew as a people was Jesus broke death. He broke it. And so they had such, you know, think about that. They had such faith in Jesus' victory over death that when some of their friends died, as is usual, they were surprised. They thought, what's this? They were surprised to know that we would still suffer death. Each one of us would face it. But the problem was that someone had told them the wrong thing. Someone had told them that if you died, you didn't get to participate in the coming glory of Jesus Uh, restoration of all things, his second coming. And so that's wrong. Jesus told the disciples they would suffer and die, but he promised to be with them and carry them through life after death and eventually to the resurrection at the end of time when all things are restored. But they didn't get that. They didn't understand. And so the third thing that happened was some of the believers started giving up. They just started giving up. When you think about this church, Don't imagine the kind of explosive success that we hear about. A church getting planted and then a year later there's 3,000 people. Or or, uh, Peter's sermon in Jerusalem where 3,000 were saved. This church wasn't like that. They gathered week after week in the back of somebody's house. In those early years they gathered and, and they they read the scriptures to one another. They told the stories of Jesus. They sang hymns. They shared the bread and the cup and they prayed and nothing happened. There were no great signs of progress. There were no great successes, no great wins for everybody to celebrate. I think about that church and I imagine that the benediction of that church every week went something like this. Brothers and sisters, do you think we should do this again next week? What do you think? Things weren't going their way. Nothing was happening. Nothing was changing. You know, do you think we should? Why are we here? Why should we still do this? What are we doing? What are we even doing here? Does God even see us down here doing this thing? Shouldn't we just cash it in? Should we just give up? The church will never make a difference in the world. Nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever be different in the world. Why don't we just call it quits? Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you think we should come again next week? And so into that spirit, into that spirit, this letter comes. Paul writes a letter by the power of the Holy Spirit inspired and he reminds them, your presence is God's 
purpose. Verse number one, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you, for all of you, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so who are they? This ragtag bunch, who are they? They are the church of Thessalonians. They are the church in God, in Christ. They are the church in that city. And that's something. That's something. That's not by accident and that's not to be taken lightly. You are embedded there. Your presence is God's purpose. You are the church. And they're marked by what? They're marked by faith and by hope and by love. This is the great Christian triumvirate. The great triumvirate of Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love. Paul knows they are the church. He knows they are rooted in Christ because what he hears about, about them, is their faith and their hope and their love. He hears, uh, look carefully at it with me, he, he hears that there is work produced by faith. I hear of your work produced by faith. Now, we are saved by faith, not by works. But faith that saves is faith that works. Faith produces fruit if it's rooted in Christ. So Paul hears that there's this work that can come out of your faith. He hears what? Labor prompted by love among them. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a way of life. Love is an act. It's an act of sacrifice for the well-being of another. And that's what they're doing for one another. And Paul hears about it. So he says, wait a minute, you're the church. And he hears about hope. You know, Christian hope is not optimism. It's not whistling in the wind. Christian hope isn't optimism. Optimism is a mood. Christian hope is surety. That whatever we suffer currently and however bad life and the world around us gets, Jesus has already won. The tomb is empty and we saw him alive after he was dead. The kingdom he has begun is coming and there's no stopping it. I may have to suffer a little while, but glory is on the way. That's Christian hope. Faith. Hope and love. John Calvin called this verse a brief summary of true Christianity. Faith, working itself out in love, bearing burdens with endurance founded on the hope of the coming victory of Christ. Here's what Calvin wrote. He said, intent upon the hope of the manifestation of Christ. They despise, that just means they devalue, they look away from, they despise everything else and armed with patience, they rise superior to the wearisomeness of length of time as well as to all the temptations of the world. Now, if you live 
like that. You can't help but make a difference. If you live like that, you're, you're shining like light. You're shining like gold. You're a flake of gold. You live just right where you are. Live right where you are with faith and hope and love and watch God work to make a difference in the world through you. You are embedded. You're embedded. Your presence is God's purpose. So the church asked, friends, why are we still here? Why didn't Jesus just rescue us out of this, this nasty world, this bitter world? Why didn't Jesus just extract us out of this perverse city, of this, this twisted life that we live in? Why didn't he just get us out of here? I want to go back to the very first line of the letter, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you catch anything there? Usually Paul wrote his letters and he would say to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Rome, to, to the church in Philippi. But what does he say here? He says to the Thessalonians, the church of Thessalonians, in God. You are in God. They as believers, they as followers in Jesus Christ, they are in God. Right where they are. I wish I could pause here and read all of Exodus and Leviticus to you. <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> it's warmer in here than it is out there. Understand this. The presence of God is a huge deal. A huge deal. And the people knew the presence of God. They knew the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. They knew His presence through the Ark of the Covenant that housed the Ten Commandments that they kept inside of the Holy of Holies. You see, they had a temple. The temple had all these colonnades and thresholds and atriums and all these areas that you could walk your way up. And in the heart of the temple, the heart of the temple was the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And Leviticus 16 outlines how a man, one man, a priest could enter behind the thick black curtain and go into the Holy of Holies and know the presence of God. And it describes all through that chapter what he has to do. He has to wash himself. He has to wash himself pure. He has to wear special clothes. And he has to take a bull and sacrifice a bull and shed its blood for the atonement of, of his sins and his household's sins. And he has to burn a ram. And then he has to take two goats, and, uh, and one of the goats he kills. And the other goat, he lays his hands on the head of the goat. And it says in Leviticus 16 that he, he confesses all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, 
and put it on the goat's head and sent it off into the wilderness, the scapegoat. It spread the blood all over the altar, on the horns of the altar, down the sides of the altar. Why? Because, because blood is life. And it was God's mercy that allowed us to use the blood of animals to cover the sin of mankind, the sin of the people, because sin always, always draws blood. And so it was a mercy that the sin of the animals could cover the sins of the people, and then one man on one day of the year could enter and go into the Holy of Holies and know the presence of God. And that was a great blessing. Don't get me wrong. It was a wonderful grace to have the presence of God among the people. But do you know what we have now? Wherever you are, Thessalonica, Colorado Springs, you are in God, in Christ. You are in God, in Christ. When Christ came and accomplished the final sacrifice, his perfect blood didn't just cover over sins. He washed our sins away. And now you are in God, in Christ. Every moment of your life, wherever you go, wherever you walk, you are walking in the presence of God. You have the presence of God over you and in you. You are carrying the presence of God with you. You're at work plugging away on your emails. You are in God, in Christ, right there. You're driving around, driving your kids from place to place. You are in God, in Christ. Christ. You're at school trying to learn enough math to pass this section or to, to do okay on your SATs. Right there, you are in God, in Christ. The Holy of Holies is cracked open and turned inside out. And wherever you go, wherever the Lord puts you, you are in God, in Christ, and you're carrying the presence of God every single moment. Your presence is God's purpose. You're like flakes of gold shining with the light of heaven wherever you are. So hang in. Don't give up. Stick with the Lord and you will see Him make a difference through you, wherever you are. And finally, we'll come back to these verses, verses 6 through 8. These are the, the key verses of the series. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so, you became... A model to all believers. You became an example. You became a shining light to all believers, not only in, in, in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message 
rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. You are nowhere by accident. You've been embedded. If you're a Christ follower, he's shining his light through you and living your life in the faith and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ, you're making a difference. You're shining like lights. You're glimmering like flakes of gold. And God is making a difference through you. Your presence, your presence is God's purpose. He has a purpose for you. Should we come back next week? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, how you treasure every soul that's in this room. How you treasure every one of us, Lord. Unbelievable. What you would spend, what you would expend to reach each of us and to draw us into your purposes. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity we have to receive your message, your gospel, that in Jesus Christ we can be forgiven of our sins, meaningless can be behind us, and purpose before us, the glory of heaven can shine over us and we can reflect your love. So Lord, every soul here, we pray, show us our purpose, put us where you want us, and glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.